You ever heard of Ripley's Believe It or Not? Oh yeah, if you've ever been to the beach, maybe you've gone inside and seen that. Or if you remember the old show, it might have been back in the 80s where that real creepy guy from the westerns, Jack Palance, would talk. You remember, He'd always talk like this. And it just scared the mess out of you. Well, anyway, he had the Ripley's Believe It or Not show. And, and I was thinking about some Believe It or Not things because when you come to the resurrection, some people believe it and some people do not. But... Uh, They say, the Ripley's Believe It or Not website says that there is a giant Easter egg in Perugia, Italy, that weighs 1,760 pounds. So, I think if you had an Easter egg hunt, you could probably find that one. I don't know about getting it home or not, but in 1983, believe this or not, in 1983... The annual Easter egg roll on the south lawn of the White House, there were characters and there were Easter bunny rabbits, and inside the suits were secret service men, believe it or not. Well, at a state fair, I can, I can attest to this. You ever been to a state fair? I mean, they've always got the rides and the, the funnel cakes and the popcorn and the, the games and all of that kind of stuff. Well... Uh, I went there with a group one time, and I could not pass this up. There was a big trailer, and on the side of it, it said, Gaborah, Amazon woman. Watch Gaborah transform before your very eyes from a woman to an ape. And I thought, I've got some tickets. I grabbed a couple people, and I said, let's go try this out. And <laughs> sure enough... The woman comes out, and, and in 45, section, 45 sections or seconds, she becomes an ape. And I thought, that was cool. Probably not worth 20 tickets, but it was cool anyway. A woman turning into an ape. Believe it or not. As crazy as those things sound, and whether it be a state fair attraction, whether it be a Ripley's Believe It or Not, or whatever kind of conundrum you want to put yourself into, we come to the fact that there was a man named Jesus Christ that left heaven to walk this earth, to do miracles, and to teach us how to live. He came to die for our sins, only to resurrect three days after his death. Church, we can believe that or not. But it does not change the fact that it happened. And we pick up John's gospel here. John's gospel continues to record Jesus' ministry after his resurrection. If this were any other book about any other man, any other woman, and about their life, when they die, the story is over. Yes, there are ripple effects of what they have done in their life, but actual events of what they've done, you're out of material because they're not living anymore. Of one book, one autobiography that that is true is what John is writing here about Jesus because he continues to live. Why? Because he resurrected and he is God's son. Now as we approach this passage this morning, I I, I really appreciate those that that can, when you hear them preach, when you hear them teach, it's almost like they put you there. And so if you would for a minute... Imagine what the disciples and his followers 
have just gone through. They have been through a horrific event. They saw their leader publicly humiliated. He was punished. And he was killed. And to be honest with you, there was a price on their heads as well. Everything that they had lived for, everything that they had done had now come into question because their leader was killed. They thought just as the executioners, if you are the Messiah, come off the cross. Can you imagine? The disciples, they weren't even there at the crucifixion. They were, they were running scared because they knew if Jesus was being killed, they would be next. They were in a tough position. Well, how in the world did the disciples come to believe that Jesus was risen? How in the world do we celebrate Easter today? Well, it all centers around the empty tomb. And first we see that the empty tomb demands our attention. Whether you believe it or whether you do not, the fact is there is an empty tomb that you and I have to wrestle with in our faith. Let's look at chapter 20, verses 1 through 10 of the Gospel of John. On the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark. She saw that the stone had been moved from the tomb. So she ran to Simon Peter and to the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. At that, Peter and the other disciple went out, heading for the tomb. The two were running together, but as any two competitive disciples, it turned into a foot race. And the two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and got to the tomb first. Stooping down, he saw the linen cloths lying there, yet he did not go in. Then following him, Simon Peter came also. He entered the tomb and saw the linen cloths lying there. The wrapping that had been on his head was not lying with the linen cloths, but was folded up in a separate place by itself. The other disciple who had reached the tomb first, then entered the tomb, saw and believed. He saw and believed. For they still did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went home again. There are many people that may use whatever means possible to discredit or discourage and even discount the message of the resurrection of the empty tomb. But in the end, they will fail. In the very end, when Jesus Christ comes back because he has been resurrected, everyone's theories, everyone's beliefs, everything that we have done will be brought to light. And if for some reason we're wrong and all of this is, is just man-made religion, then I haven't lost anything because my life with Christ is so much better than without it. But when can we remember, when can we have the power of the resurrection in our life? My friend, that power is in our life every single day. On the Sunday after Jesus' death, who was the first person 
to go to his tomb. It was Mary Magdalene. What in the world would cause her to go to the tomb early in the morning? Well, because of the crucifixion falling on the Sabbath, they were in a hurry to make sure that Jesus was buried. So when they did that, they did not finish the burial process. Mary Magdalene loved Jesus Christ. And she was the first person, and that's what drew her there. And she found the stone was rolled away. Now, this is huge. Check with me for just a minute. I know this is Easter. You're probably thinking about what's on the stove or what restaurant you're going to, but hang with me. I'm telling you, this is important. The stone was rolled away, right, church? Okay. The stone was rolled away. Was it to let Jesus out? Why was the stone rolled away? To let people in. To see the resurrection. To see the after effects. The stone was not rolled away to let Jesus out. It was to let you and me in. You and me with our sins and our messed up lives. It was for us to go and see that He is risen. He is not here. He is not on this earth. And the power that he said that he had in his life is the same power he gives to you and I. I love the fact, as, as we look back at this passage, the word seek or saw or look is used three times, and it's used in different tenses. For example, in verse 1, it says, John uses the reference of darkness as a metaphor for the world's spiritual conditions because she came to him in the darkness and then it says that they went to look and to see. They went to look and to see. Why is it that our minds are quick to accept the things that we can explain and so quick to discount the things that we cannot? That is our human condition. But we see here that it wasn't even the disciples that believed Jesus could raise from the dead. It was Jesus' enemies. Pilate is seen in Matthew chapter 27, verses 62 through 66. He's talking to the guards, making sure that they, why were the guards at the tomb? Not because they were trying to protect Jesus' body in as much as they didn't want anybody to come steal it because they didn't they knew that Jesus said that he would raise in three days and they wanted to do whatever they could to stop it how did it work out for him not too good well the application here is that an army of men a nuclear missile could not even stop Jesus's resurrection and an expert questioning the validity of the resurrection cannot stop his power. Listen, I know some of you in here, you have doubts. I mean, you're here at church, and I mean, we, we, can, we can praise the Lord, but when I finish and we sing the hymn and we're out of here, you go, go back to your same lives. And my question is, does the resurrection make a difference in your life? Do you have that resurrection power? What's that song? Resurrection power, fill me this hour. Jesus, be Jesus in me. We as Christians have so much power that we do not access because our lack of faith, though, cannot stop the resurrection power. Because we see here the empty tomb moves us 
from doubt to faith. If you're here this morning and you doubt your faith, you might be a Christian and have been a Christian as long as you can remember. Every Christian is going to have a season of doubt. Every non-believer is going to have seasons of doubt. But what I want you to see, because of the resurrection, as I said, we see three forms of the word seek or see in this passage. In verse 5, the verb simply means to glance in and to look. We see that John ran to get to the tomb first, and he looked, but he did not go in. And folks, that is so many people today. There are a lot of people. If you, This is the ironic thing. Spirituality is one of the highest popular trends in the nation today. People are seeking spirituality, but it's not Christ. It's not worshiping God. It's finding a higher power, but they want to find the higher power that will let them stay in their sinful status. But there are people that are curious about the Lord, people that are looking in. And then we see in verse 6, we see the word seek that means to look carefully. You see, Peter was the impulsive one, and he went inside the tomb. And when you look at the condition of the grave clothes, you can, you can read in your Bible again what it talks about. And when, when they are preparing bodies for burial in the, the biblical times back then, they would use spices and they would use oils and they would use ointments and they would use cloth to, to wrap them. And if a man or a woman, if a person would have gone in there and tried to remove those wrappings, they would have destroyed them. They would have been a shambles. The fact that they were there and they were intact means that Jesus' body moved through them. That his body just basically got out of the wrapping and the wrapping just collapsed right there. And he took the headpiece and he folded it and he put it there. You think a, a stone can stop that? No. It was obvious that Jesus had been resurrected. Is that a big surprise for those that were in the New Testament that were following Jesus. Shouldn't it have been a surprise? No, because they saw him do the same exact thing with Lazarus. Why is it that you and I, we can see God work in our lives in a powerful way and then six months later doubt that he's even there? Why is it that we see so many miracles in God doing so many things but yet we think that he's not powerful enough to help us in this relationship, not powerful enough to help us with this addiction, not powerful enough to help us with our homework. Yeah, Jesus can help you with your homework. I have prayed many times. Lord, help me with this algebra. The first time in college and the second time in college. You know, but God does help us. He, he cares about every little thing that we go through. And then we see though, that just as Mary and the disciples were moved from doubt to faith, that's what the empty tomb does. And then we see in verse 20, 20 or actually chapter 20, verse 8, where it says, uh, the meaning of Saul means that he proceeded with intelligence. 
It says, what does it say there that John did? John believed. John believed that Jesus raised from the dead. And why is it significant that Peter, did you know there is significance that Peter and John both witnessed this? Because under Jewish law, if you have the testimony of two individuals, then it is considered to be credible. So there is no doubt that there were two men that saw the risen Savior. Well, they didn't see the risen Savior. They saw the empty tomb. And so they could attest legally in those days that that were the case. The second thing we see is that the empty tomb proves that Jesus is the Messiah. The empty tomb proves that Jesus is the Messiah. Let's look at verses 11 through 16. It says, But Mary stood outside facing the tomb, crying. Why do you think she was crying? Mary Magdalene was crying. Have you ever been to a funeral? There's always tears. Tears of sorrow. Tears of grief. The man that loved her, that didn't want anything from her but her obedience, was now dead. And as she was crying, she stooped and looked into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting there, one at the head and one at the feet where Jesus' body had been lying. They said to her, Woman, why are you crying? Because they've taken away my Lord, she told them, and I don't know where they have put him. Having said this, she turned around and saw... I get Jesus bumps when I think about this. She turned around and saw Jesus standing there though she did not know who he was. Though she did not know who he was. Woman, Jesus said to her, why are you crying? Who is it that you are looking for? Supposing he was a gardener, it would not have been out of place to see a gardener at the tomb early that morning. Well, she thought it was a gardener. She thought he was a gardener. And... Sir, if you've removed him, tell me where you put him, and I will take him away. She's saying, look, if you have seen anything, if you are a witness, if someone, if everything that I'm hearing is true, and, and thieves did come and take away Jesus, please tell me where he is. Do it. I, I love this man, and I want to be able to finish his, his burial and, and do it right. Please tell me where they have taken him. And in verse 16, Jesus said, Mary. If you have your Bible, or you have something you're looking at that has that verse in it, what I want you to do is write your name beside Mary. What does that mean? There is a time in your life where Jesus will say, Susie, Joey, Johnny, there's a time in my life where Jesus said, James, here I am. What's significant about this, folks? Jesus did not reveal himself to Mary until 
Mary was ready to receive it. We can knock and we can try our best to get into heaven. But when the Savior calls, we are going to be ready. And we have a choice whether to accept or whether to reject us. And even today, for those of you that do not know him as your Savior and Lord, he calls to you. No matter what age you are. We're seeing people of all ages come to know faith in Jesus Christ. And if anything, for those of you that are older in age, for you to come to Christ is statistically a miracle. Because they say 80 or 90 percent of most Christians become one between the ages of, of like 8 and, and 14. That's why our children's ministry and our youth ministry are so important. But back to the subject at hand. Of all the people that saw Jesus first, it was a woman. Listen, ladies, I don't know what lie people have told you, but women, you are very important to the work of Christ. So much so that, remember, in Jewish law, the women were seen as kind of like seen and not heard. And it's kind of like they had the boys group and, and the girls were on the side. That's one thing you got over us. Jesus showed himself to her first. Women, you are precious to the work of the Lord. But men, you have to take the lead. We see here that Mary was in a deep emotional state and she was crying very loud. Again, why did Mary, Mary Magdalene love Jesus so much? Well, not too long ago, did you know that Jesus cast out not one, not two, not three, but seven demons out of Mary Magdalene. Wow. Seven demons cast out. I don't know about you, but once Jesus Christ has done something for me, I will never stop loving him. And though he might not have cast demons out of my life, he saved me when I was wretched and when I was poor and when I was weary and where I didn't have a thing to my name and where I was, my soul was dark and I hit the bottom and I asked him, Lord, save me. And he did. He called my name. He said, James, I'm here. And he calls your name today because the empty tomb proves that Jesus is the Messiah. And folks, Cries of sorrow can turn into cries of joy when we realize that Jesus Christ is risen. Mary's tears turned from sorrow to joy because he had risen. What a beautiful picture. Mary's eyes were opened to who the gardener really was. You know the tragic thing about that is? If she would have simply believed, she could have saved herself a lot of tears and a lot of heartache and a lot of pain. My friend, listen to me. I know. I, I, I've been there. Where Have you ever been in a bad mood? And I hate to say this, but you kind of want to be in it. 
You know? <laughs> no, preacher, I've never done it. Some, I mean, maybe it's just me. But sometimes, you know, you get that mood and you're like, you know, someone says, hey, have a nice day. And I don't want to have a nice day. You know, it's my choice to be not happy. You know, that song is out now. I'm happy. You know, it's on every radio station. Sometimes you just want to turn it off. Because it's a choice that we have to make. We choose to be happy. We choose to say, oh, preacher, you don't understand. So-and-so was in front of me, and they cut me off on the road, and they had a Jesus bumper sticker on there. First thing I said was, was it me? <laughs> I don't believe in Christian bumper stickers. Bad, especially the way I drive. But the thing is, is that, let's be honest, folks. A lot of times we have things that come into our life that are beyond our control, but the way we respond to it is our choice. Mary, if she would have had faith and would have known who Jesus was, she could have saved herself a lot of tears of sorrow. But you know what? That, the point of that is not to say she should have done. The focus is Jesus saw where she was, and he came to her. And Jesus comes to you. And Jesus calls us by name. Finally, the empty tomb commands us to go and tell. The empty tomb commands us to go and tell. John 20, verses 17 and 18 say this. Jesus is talking. He's saying, don't cling to me, Jesus told her. Underline, don't cling to me. We'll talk about that in just a minute. Don't cling to me, Jesus told her, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and tell them that I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Just, just real quick before we get to 18, when he's talking about my Father and your Father, I want you to understand the relationship between Jesus and us at this point has changed. Jesus, at this point, is not, is not lumping himself in with everybody else. What he is saying is, is that now I am no longer the suffering servant. I am the risen Savior. And our relationship is different. The power that we wished he would have claimed on the cross, he is now proclaiming loudly. And he is going to ascend to the Father. He shows himself some 40 times after his death, before he leaves for heaven. But the empty tomb commands us to go and tell. Verse 18 says, Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them what he had said to her. When Jesus told Mary not to cling to him, both Jesus and Mary still had important work to do. Jesus had not yet ascended. He had to do whatever the Father had put out before him to do, before it was time for him to resurrect. And Mary, although she would have loved to sit there and gotten big Jesus bear hugs for the rest of her lives, there was things she had to do. What did she have to do? It tells you in the Scripture. Go and tell. Go and tell. Church, we do not need to cling to Jesus so much 
that we come to church on Sundays and do nothing else the rest of the week. That is called being an unfruitful Christian. Jesus is saying, I love you, and I'm going to be with you. And and Jesus didn't really tell her this, but basically he was going to see her again. That it wasn't time to just sit here and have a pep rally, but we need to go and we need to tell people. He's saying, don't stay here with me. Go and tell. Folks, we do not need to build a church that will not reach out to a community. We don't need to have a a faith that is centered around our well-being. I promise you this. If you focus on serving others, you will feed yourself. Because there's always someone out there that needs a little bit more help than you or I do. And what was Mary Magdalene's testimony? Her testimony was this. I have seen the Lord. When's the last time you've told somebody that you've seen the Lord? You might not have physically seen him, but you've seen his power in your life. That same message that Mary, that commission that Mary has been given, we're given as well. It's at the end of Matthew. It's called the Great Commission. To say, I have seen Jesus and my life is different. Well, in closing, I have a question for you. Why should I trust Jesus above anyone or anything else? Why should I trust Jesus above anyone or anything else? Folks, when you go to the burial location of other gods and ungodly leaders, their remains will be found. But Jesus was the only one who said he would raise from the dead and did so. There is nothing or no one else in the world that has that kind of power. Let me ask you this. Does whatever you are trusting in, that person, place, or thing, or relationship, whatever you're trusting in, does it have that resurrection power? If it does not, then let go of it. Because it will take you down a road of destruction. Romans 5, 8 says, But God proves His own love for us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We see in Acts chapter 17, it is promised that one day Jesus will return. And how will we know we are Christians? Because our lives will be changed. Even the disciples... had not fully realized their calling until later in the scripture they realized that Jesus had risen from the dead. Why do I say that? They wouldn't have died for their faith if he hadn't. All the disciples died as martyrs for what they believed in. Would you die for what you believe in? Because, last but not least, remember, we are all sinners and we fall short of the glory of God. You have sinned in your life. I have sinned in my life. And for every sin that we do not confess, we will be held accountable for. But what does Easter do? Easter takes all the receipts of all the sins that you have ever committed, and it says, paid in full. 
Everything that you have done or will ever do is paid in full. Why? Because we have a Savior who has risen from the dead. And that same power, that same blood that was shed, was shed for you and shed for me. That whether we have never accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord, we can come to Him as we are and ask Him to come into our life and He will change our life. If you have said a prayer in the past and it had no change in your life, you said a prayer and that's all you did. Because with Jesus gets a hold of your life, you are different. You are changed. And you are going. And you are telling. And you are grateful for what He has done. Please do not lose the amazement of the resurrection. We serve a risen Savior. If you'd like to know Him as your Savior and Lord and get forgiveness of your sins, you can come forward during this invitation. If you'd like to join this church or just need prayer, you can do that as well. Would you stand as we sing our Lord's hymn of invitation?